Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Keza McDonald. And I'm Ellie Gibson. And this is our new show, Extra Life. It's basically us talking to funny people about video games. When I was a kid, it was Grand Theft World. The Sinclair ZX Spectrum. We talk about the games people remember from when they were kids and what they're playing now. Guitar Hero. The Last of Us 2. Combat on the Atari 2600. No, I love Pokemon. Anyway, find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Extra Life. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. This will certainly have an adult theme and might well contain strong scenes of sex or violence, which could be quite graphic. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. What do you know, listen to? Um... <laughs> Chart music. <laughs> Chart music. It's a time for giving, a time for getting, a time for forgiving and for forgetting. But more importantly, Pop Craze Youngsters, it's time for part three of episode 55 of Chart Music. Hey up, you Pop Craze Youngsters. My name's Al Needham. They're Neil Kulkarni and David Stubbs. And we're going to get stuck into the next part of this episode of Top of the Pops. Don't get cocky, it's going to get rocky. We're going to move down to the next, you jocker. I tell you, there's a crazy atmosphere in here tonight. And to top it all, it's snowing outside the television centre here in London. Uh, moving on with the music, here's Incantation and Catch a Pyre. Finally surrounded by the kids and next to a girl in an appalling puffy sleeve blouse tells us that there's a crazy atmosphere in the studio tonight and reminds us that Top of the Pops is going out live by giving us a weather report. Apparently it's snowing outside. Send Zoe out now. He then pivots to the next song, Catch a Pyre and Dee's Pumsa Desert by Incantation. Formed in London in 1981, Incantation were a loose collective of musicians who were commissioned to write and perform a suite of traditional Andean music for a ballet rombe production about the victims of political oppression in South America called Ghost Dancers, which led to them ordering a crate of instruments they'd never heard of before, working out which end to blow down and getting obsessed by them. When the show came out, they were immediately given a deal by Beggar's Banquet for an LP, which they called On the Wing of a Condor. 
This is the lead-off single from it, named after a traditional Andean leaving do. It entered the top 40 at number 39 last week, and this week it soared like that very condor, (laughs) 11 places to number 28. And it might be snowing outside, but the atmosphere in the top of the pop studio has now got very chilly. (laughs) (laughs) But aha, people at last. People. Next to next to Kid. Thing I love yes. is that is the way that those girls look at Kid. That's mm. how I would have looked at Kid Jensen. That thing you yes. do as a normal person looking at someone famous, basically like you're checking that their mouth works and that they're human, <laughs> <laughs> that they function like us mere mortals. It's quite a total fascination for a moment there. It's a mm. lovely moment that. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's, it's got to the point now with this fucking year that I'm looking at things like this on top of the pops now with loads of people huddled together around Kid Jensen. And I just think, you fucking mad bastards, where's your masks? <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah, I think it's going to be really fucking hard for me to go back to that shit. Mm. I'm very pro-vaccine. I'll have it anywhere, man. Fucking mm. stick it in my bell end if you want. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to be going out and just throwing myself at a load of people. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to take a while to regain that sense of sort of mutual social trust, yeah. Because I was thinking I'd be happy to carry on wearing the mask for a bit in certain yeah. places, but the trouble is, the problem with the mask is it's an altruistic gesture. It doesn't save yourself, you know, and it, it's and so mm. a lot of people aren't really going to bother, in which case you think, oh, well, I'm not going to bother either, you know. Yeah. I, can see, I can see the masks being something that d- disappears pretty rapidly, actually. I guess we'll all slip back into the old habits, but when I try and envisage from yeah. this vantage point what it's going to be like, I don't know, yeah, just walking down a street and nobody wearing a mask and being in a supermarket with loads of f- close mm. physical proximity, that is yeah. going to be tricky to deal with. What would Top of the Pops in 1982 have done if there was a pandemic on? I, I suppose they could just chuck on loads of videos. Mm. Yeah, they could have, but what could they have done? Yeah, what would they have done before the video ever, though? I mean, socially distanced mm. Top of the Pops. Mm. Mm. It's that just as well pop music it? collapsed, isn't it? So we don't have to face this quandary. Yeah. <laughs> what would Dave Lee Travis have done? <laughs> yeah, oh, the course, yeah, and I wonder if any of them have been anti-maskers, refusenics, Mike Reeves, yes. mm. you know, undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah, Dave Lee Travis would probably make a mask out of his beard. <laughs> it's a grisly thought, Al. Yes. <laughs> Before we get to this, I've got, I've got to raise one thing. Uh, Kid Jensen, is he wearing a rugby shirt or is it a it's... jumper and shirt combination? Because yeah. he's very the jumper and the shirt very close to each other. Mm. But I'm not seeing any button on the collar. I, I thought it was a new, I thought it was a Newcastle United jumper. Yeah, I think Did it's you? I think it's something I thought like that. It was West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, yeah it might have been. We will see much superior knitwear later on. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, this song. So uh, yeah, this this is what a leaving doing chili looks like. Then mm. <laughs> it, it was kind of the, it looks like the Andean Wurzels to begin with, doesn't yes. it? Definitely, it's, uh, <laughs> ponchos and sort of harvesting twine. But um, but I mean, what you're sad is that this does arise from this kind of collective um, and trying to make music involve this ballet about oppression in South America, and specifically, I think Chile, and I think through the members of this like troop are from Chile and of course you know you, you, you know you're not fighting the whole Pinochet regime and everything like that and of course 
none of that context is explained. I mean, Top of the Pops would never do that. And, mm. um, no. and so you just get this kind of instrumental, and it just looks like a kind of high-altitude knees-up, basically. And any remote context is, is going to be sucked even further out by the kind of the fucking zoo wankers, you know, like cavorting around to it. Yes. You know, that's kind of sad, really, that something like this is just wrenched from its original intention and context and just lobbed out there as a bit of, like... Um, you know, South American sort of alternative to salsa or something. It's essentially ethnic popcorn, isn't it? You know, hot butter. <laughs> you know, I'd have at the time been mildly annoyed by it. I mean, obviously, in some respects, it's ahead of its time. It's anticipating the whole kind of world music and the spurious yes. embrace of like other cultures mm. or whatever. That world music really isn't having any bearing on the charts at the minute, is it? And yeah. you know, or, or on public consciousness. I mean, let's mm. remember that we're we're still a full year away from the Umbongo advert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've had a bit of a a, a, a salsery flare up mm. from Blue Rondo, Alaturk, and Modern Romance, and, mm. and things mm. like that. But mm. this is an injection of the real, the real mm. hard stuff, isn't it? Well, to um, a certain extent, I don't. Yeah, I probably wasn't aware of the sound of the panpipes until stuff like this. No. Um, you know, I was too young to watch Scarface. This is the music that kind of plays when Tony Montana goes meets Sosa up in the hills. Mm. Yeah, um, kind of reminds no, me of F. Murray no, Abraham no, yeah. dangling from a helicopter. But yeah, but these honestly, are, it's a slightly more chilling. Uh, use yeah, of this the is it. Yeah. But but without that context, which I obviously wouldn't have been aware of, I find this fucking torture. This this music. I mean, it's just. I'm sorry, but what an unlovely non-committal sound panpipes make. I I like wind instruments, but panpipes have always sounded to me like there's there's just more wind than body to them. There's more breath than Mm. voice, if you like, and I I just fucking hate that. No Mm. one would accept a guitar sound whereby you hear more of the creak of the neck or the squeak of the frets than you do the actual notes. Um, So why do we accept panpipes? I mean, not to condemn the entirety of South America. Around and they and ancient culture. Yes, I'm sure they're part of a venerable tradition. But I just watched this thinking these instruments are not fit for purpose. You get you get a better sound blowing through a split piece of grass, and it's kind of it's ice skating music. It, it's I don't know. It's musical chairs music. It's not music that I would have liked to sit down and listen to, or even stand up and listen to, um, unless your idea of dancing is acting like Zudu here. Oh, um, yes. Like fucking mm. hippie pirates. Yes. I mean, oh, yeah. they're doing yeah. the piss-head hornpipe, aren't yeah. they? That, that mm. was one of the standard um, dance routines for Zoo. Mm. Yeah, no. Probably um, honed when Come On Eileen was in the charts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it reminded me massively, in the latter years of Melody Maker, when we were encouraged by an editor who sort of bossed us about on site, to... Um, you know, wander away from the main stages at festivals and explore the fields to see what, you know, um, mm. you, what you could find. I'd always mm. just find this kind of shit, mm. um, yeah. mainly fueled by cider um, and kind of enjoyed by jugglers and cunts with <laughs> jesters hats on and, and cunts playing panpipes. Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, I mean, this, this one, as, uh, you know, we're away from a video now, we're back in the studio, and Zoo are just being 360-degree cunts right about now. Wow, <laughs> um, this. Everywhere you look, they're doing something offensive. Yeah. Whether yes. it's that rumbustious sailor's hornpipe type shit, um, or anything else. Also, I mean, it's just true. in general, this performance. Um, yeah. What the fuck is going on with the camera work and the audience? Yeah. Everyone seems drunk. Or, or mm. it's a shambles, yes. um, yeah. and not in a good way. Cunts to the left of you, cunts to the right of you, cunts <laughs> in the balcony. 
Do you know what? I, I think that this belongs, I mean, it's pop success, possibly belongs to a category that also includes things like Jonah Lewis' Stop the Cavalry and even like it, Life is Life, which is that kind of yeah. steam piston yeah. sort of like knees in, knees out action. You know, which is absolute anathema to a principled man like myself. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously does seem to have a lot of sort of popular traction. This is probably the only um, influence that the Bally Rombear have had on <laughs> on the charts. Mm. I got fond memories of the Bally Rombear because their school was on my campus at university, ah. and you could always tell where it was because just outside the building there was a bin that was absolutely overflowing with nothing but nub ends. <laughs> 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 they didn't eat, they all smoked. Mm. And I'd go past that bin and just look at it in awe that mm. you could get so many nub ends in one bit. Well, you couldn't get them in, in the bin because it was just overflowed. It was essentially the tramp's version of the crock of gold at the end of the <laughs> rainbow. <laughs> Seriously, you could have got enough fags out yeah. of all them nub ends for a 200 pack of fags to, <laughs> to give to your non or at Christmas. <laughs> On a daily basis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the one thing I, I will say in this song's defence, the, the camera crew stop hunting round as much for zoo wankers and, and concentrate mm. on the instruments. They're fascinated by them. Mm. Mm. They are weird instruments at that time. Yeah. David, I've I got to ask, would you be less down on rockism mm. if everybody had guitars as tiny as incantations? Oh, no, that, that'd be all right, because, yeah, the whole sort of penile representation, you know, if it's nice and modest. All yeah, the way more, that, more realistic. In Haircut 100, they held them like right up, like little teddy bears or whatever. That was all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was the low-slung, oh, the obscenity, the macho. <laughs> I have to say that, like, um, looking at an episode like this makes you wonder if perhaps anti-rockism went a bit too far. You know, especially, <laughs> you know, the, the way that everything is, is just reduced to this kind of agadoo-ish common denominator, mm. um, including this, you know. There's an odd thing about the Hurl era, it where, whilst it's finding its feet as well. Um, they're encouraging the audience to make a lot of noise. Um, yeah. So yes. there's a lot of whooping and hollering. So mm. when it does cut from the pipes to like single little mandolin solos and guitar solos, you can't hear them. Um, no. They're kind of, I mean, either that or I'm deaf as a post. But yeah, I, I saw guitar, you know, music suddenly stopping and it goes to the guitarist who's doing some sort of lick that you're meant to hear. And you couldn't hear it. All you heard was load of Gary's and Sharon's whooping and hollering. Mm. Yeah, mm. balloons popping again. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this episode. Strange gunshot-type mm. balloon pops. Mm. An awful lot of energy expended here that should have been spent fighting Thatcher. That's all I can say. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, t- I'm 21 again, you know, going over this. <laughs> well, it seems to have infected the cameraman as well, because the camera is yes. swooping around in really drunken fashion. It does this kind of 360-degree turn as well around the entire studio and come back, comes back to a mooring point. All it picks up in all of these movements is assorted zoo wankers, and the never that nice sight of British people having far too good a time. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I did not like this song or performance, I have to say. Why is this a hit? I mean, I, I can imagine my sociology teachers banging this on the stereo in the staff room on their, for their piss up. Mm. Again, I think it's that kind of steam action, you know. <laughs> yeah, this, we yeah. love it. <laughs> And he gets faster and faster. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, it goes fast. Yeah, yeah, it gets faster. Knees in, knees out, knees in, knees out, knees in, knees out. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else to say about this? No, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) So two weeks later, Catchapire jumped another 12 places to number 16 like the mountain goat itself. (laughs) Its highest position. The follow-up, Securiadas, 
failed to chart and they never scaled the heights of the top 40 again. But in 1986, they worked with Ennio Morricone on the soundtrack to the mission and are still active today. Unfortunately, the single reappeared in the news in 2018 during the trial of Barry Bennell, the former youth coach of Man City, Crew Alexandra, Stoke City and Leeds United, when it was revealed that he would play the song on a ghetto blaster when he was sexually abusing youth players. Jesus, Al. You're tainting songs today really effectively. That's Little Drummer Boy and this. Oh, fucking grim. across the studio in a frantic search for Kit, who has been swallowed up by the kids, some of whom are still jumping and whooping like gibbons with a bulldog clip on their genitals. <laughs> After Kid tells us that the last group lived just off the Chiswick High Road, presumably in a big tent with some goats, he pivots to the balcony and introduces Blue Christmas by Shaking Stevens. We've covered Michael Barrett, or to give him his full title, the highest incarnation of the white-shod comradeship, ever-victorious iron-willed commander of the top forte, double-denim defender of the green door of revolution, <laughs> an eternal guardian of heterosexual rock and roll, many a time and oft on chart music. This his fifth single of 1982 is the lead cut from the Shaking Stevens EP, where Comrade Shaky finally tips his hand and reveals that he's been slightly influenced by the American singer Elvis Presley. <laughs> it being a cover of the 1948 country song first recorded by Ernest Tubb that Elvis recorded for his Christmas LP in 1957 and got to number 11 when it was finally released in 1964. It's the follow-up to I'll Be Satisfied, which got to number 10 only last month. It entered the charts at number 35 a fortnight ago, then soared 31 places to number 4, and this week it's nipped up two places to number 2. Oh, here he is. Mm, The master. Mm. I mean, this is yes. this is this is shaking, shaking. As well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, it's I don't think it's his finest work. Um, it just seems to be obviously, you know, it's covering the Elvis song, but I think it's going directly for the whole lonely this Christmas vibe. Yeah, I think that yeah. Mud has yes, pretty much kind of got yes. down. It's also got the you know the, the feeblest ever guitar solo <laughs> I've ever heard. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I it's hard really. I, I try and get in the shaky spirit, you know, the whole biz type thing and everything like that. And it's shaking, but stops. you know, I, I again, you know, as Neil said, I was a principal boy. I'd, I'd have been shaking, all right, shaking with fury. But, you know, <laughs> that it was shaking steams and not Joseph K that was on this top of the pops, you know. So yeah, another big year for Shaker. He, mm-hmm. he got to number one with O'Julie mm-hmm. in January. 
he had a number one LP with Shaky last month. And this is his third top ten hit in 1982. And yes, Shaky's now confident to do his first ever Elvis cover as a single, mm. along with covers of Lordy Miss Claudette and K Sarah Sarah. Yeah. A thoughtfully wrapped gift under the tree for, <laughs> for your dad. He is confident now, isn't he? He's a master as well in terms of like, he plays the camera quite well in this performance you know he's good at coming down mm. the stairs and uh, and pointing at the camera and addressing the audience like that but he's let down badly by yeah. Zoo I find mm. um, I found myself watching and, and just getting increasingly censorious about what Zoo were doing I mean one thing I liked about the intro while Kid was prattling on you could see the floor managers just shoving <laughs> the, the Zoo wankers <laughs> off the balcony <laughs> Because Comrade yeah. Shake is about to mm. turn up, and they have to they have to position themselves on the stairs. Yeah, and on the stairs, it, it, he he strolls down. But you know, Christmas is about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why are your legs so far apart, Zoo? It's disgusting. The ones on the stairs just look like they've got indeterminate ass problems or haven't wiped properly. There's nothing to do with what yes. the, what the song is, as ever. No. It's weird with Blue Christmas because I, 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 I sort of am fond of the Elvis version. I'm very fond of a very old version by Doyo Dell from about 1948. Um, it's a really, really good version. But mm. the trouble is, I, I, I think Shaking Stevens hasn't yet figured out a way of sounding like he. I mean, even Elvis on Blue Christmas sounds like he likes Christmas and that he would be having a good Christmas mm. if his love was with him. Yeah, whereas, if, it, if it wasn't for you, you bitch. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Shaking Stevens just does not sound like he'll be having an absolutely smashing mm. Christmas if his lover was just with him. He doesn't sound like that. The, 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 mm. You know, the the enforced jollity of Merry Christmas, everyone, a few years later, at least prods him into sounding like he actually enjoys Christmas. In this, he just seems to sink into a bottle of bells, basically. And, and you know, just starts yodeling yes. like A-Tace. <laughs> um, he doesn't sound yes. best happy. Mm. So, so, yeah, it doesn't really come across great. Although his engagement with the camera is good. Um, but I would always go for any other version of this than this mm. one. It's interesting, Al, that you point out that there is definitely an Elvis Presley influence. I've not really thought about that before. Um, but... Um, yeah, um, but I suppose if it's a sort of commonality, I suppose, between Elvis, that a lot of people, and I'm one of them, that find a certain poignancy about Elvis in the kind of the later, the rhinestone period, the, mm. the burger period or whatever, you know, this kind mm. of bloated sort of tragic figure that he cuts. And I suppose yeah. Shaky's equivalent is his um, little boogie-woogie at the back of my mind, high-energy mm. period. Yes. I think I find mm. a similar poignancy about that. Yeah. Oh, wait <laughs> but, till we get to that. Yeah, hell. yeah. The problem I have with a song like Elvis's version is just rooted in a lie. Because no way Elvis would ever spend any time on his own. No. Let alone Christmas. Mm. You know, mm. Elvis would have all his mates around for a for a nice drug burger. Mm. And Shaker. Shaker's not spending any time on his own. He's shaking fucking Stevens. Mm. 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 You know, and the idea that he's putting forward that he's going to spend Christmas Day skulking around outside of Colliery, yeah. feeling a bit sorry for himself. No, mate. Yeah. <laughs> But shaky, you know, are, are, are they my real friends or my so-called friends? Perhaps he's still feeling a little bit lonely, really. You know, are they just... Yeah, what a shame Shaky didn't have his own version of the Memphis Mafia. Are they, are they here for Michael or are they here for Shaking? There's a big difference. Yes. <laughs> if he did have his version of the Memphis Mafia, I also wonder what Shaking Stevens' version of the Fool's Gold Loaf would be. Uh, oh, yes. Hmm. Oh, explain that, Neil. Oh, the Fool's Gold Loaf is Elvis's favourite sandwich. Yes. Um, which he, I mean, he was so fond of that he used to, I mean, he's Elvis, for God's sake. He can get it whenever he wants. Um, it's mm. a, it's an epic construction involving basically, an, I, I think, an entirely hollowed out piece of bread. 
um, well, loaf of bread rather, filled with one jar of peanut butter. Yeah. One, gra- one jar of, I think, grape jam or jelly, as he would have called it, I guess. And a, and a whole pound of bacon. Yes. And he used to, yeah, he used to get these flown in, didn't he, from the Colorado Mine Company, a restaurant yes. in Denver, Colorado, where I think he first had it. Yeah, one time he was with a load of um, coppers or something, wasn't he, Elvis? It came up in conversation and uh, one of the Memphis Mafias said, oh, I, I could go one of them right now. <laughs> and he said, right, let's go. And so they all, right. they all he, fucked off. They, they take a private jet from Graceland, don't they? And they, they buy about 30 of these fucking things. Yes. And, and, and spend hours eating them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, God knows what shakers would be like. It would probably be a massive Welsh cake filled with sausages. <laughs> Fizz whiz. <laughs> One of the good things about this performance is, you know, because Shake is given his balcony appearance like a rock and roll Ceausescu that everyone <laughs> likes. Mm. Um, the, the kids have been allowed to reclaim the floor to hear his message, but only for about five seconds, and then the fucking camera barrels in and scatters them left and right. Yeah, that's it. I mean, because there are a few in the audience dotted about. Like, they're not Ted's as such, but they're dressed um, in very 50s clothes. Aren't they? Yeah, a bit quiffy, and, and actually quite sharply dressed. Um, yes. A couple of them. Presumably, they are there for Elvis. I mean, not Elvis. <laughs> they are there for Shaky. God, yeah. you see how easy it's done? He really yeah. does keep that. Keep it that. really is. <laughs> I mean, and Shaker, he's, he's switching up his image a bit, isn't he? He looks very Beverly Hills cop here. <laughs> but he's got a powder blue bomber jacket with the, the letter S on, on his tit, mm. which I initially took that to mean socialism, because you would. Yeah. Yeah. But when he comes off the balcony to commune with the people, he, he turns around and he says Seahawks on the back. So it's a Seattle Seahawks bomber jacket, which is yeah, yeah. pretty go-ahead for uh, 1982. American football has only been on for a month on Channel 4. Yeah, and he's a pro. He deals mm. with the snow, the fake snow, really well. Yes. Um, you know, not many people mm. can wear a black shirt with fake snow hitting it and still look okay, and he manages it. He's a pro. And yeah, I like you say the zoo wankers. If they're on their own, they're, they've got arse rash. Yeah. But but there's a lot of slow dancing as well, isn't there? Oh, yeah. There, there, there's some mm. people, uh, yeah, last chance for slow dance kind of clinching each other. There, actually, mm. is the only moment in the entire episode where any members of zoo are tolerable. Um, mm. But yeah, they are completely obliterated by these just as, yeah, it's the four or five who are down the stairs who just have yeah. not wiped properly. And no. need, yeah, <laughs> it's disgusting. This is why yes. B Day should have really come in in this country in a bigger way. Yes, yeah. he's mm. making his first power move into Christmas, isn't he? He really oh, wants yeah. to be part of your mm. Christmas. Oh, definitely. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, pretty yes. soon he will be. Oh, in a big way. Mm-hmm. I've been sitting here very quietly actually because it's occurred to me Elvis Presley, he died age 42, mm. technically, biologically, plausibly. He could have been my son at that age. No. <laughs> oh, Elvis, boy, son, what have you done? Look at you on the toilet. So two weeks later, the Shaking Stevens EP dropped five places to number seven. The follow-up, a cover of the 1959 Ricky Nelson song It's Late, got to number 11 in August of 1983, but he'd go on to have seven more top 10 hits throughout the rest of the 80s. i 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Chris England, and I'm here to tell you about the Fun Factory podcast, available now on Great Big Owl. Each time, I will be reading a couple of chapters of my novel, The Fun Factory, a historical comedy about the history of comedy, so it will kind of be like a free audiobook, which you can listen to at the gym, or jogging, or at your desk while pretending to do your job, or on the train, without the embarrassment of people seeing you actually reading a book like some kind of swat. and you'll be able to see Shaky again in action on the Christmas Day Top of the Pop special that'll get underway about 2 o'clock. Meanwhile, here comes Imagination going through some changes. Kid reminds us that Comrade Shaky will be delivering his Christmas Day message on the Top of the Pops Christmas special on Saturday as he's surrounded by more members of City Farm who've been clearly told by the floor manager to start snapping their (laughs) fingers for no reason whatsoever. He then points at the stage and introduces to changes by imagination. We've covered Imagination in chart music number eight, and this, the fourth single from the LP In the Heat of the Night, is the follow-up to the title track of that LP, which got to number 22 in October. It entered the charts a fortnight ago at number 66, jumped 21 places to number 45, but then got tangled up in the Christmas rush, and this week it's edged up only two places to number 43. But no matter, because Imagination are always welcome on top of the pops in the early 80s, and here they are to caper about for our entertainment. Yeah, Imagination, yeah. we love them, don't oh, we? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, I'd, I mean, I'd have at this point, I would have, I would have come at last, basically. I think, I'd, mm. uh, especially as I was not as taken with the Maisonettes as uh, you chaps were. But um, I think what's interesting about this as well is that, like Sartorial in every respect, they're they're out wanking the zoo wankers. But you know, in a good sense. <laughs> yes, um, they're showing them how to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Showing them how it's done. Mm. I mean, I would have loved the fact that again they're proceeding at the kind of contemporary pace. It's got the 1982 groove. Yes, you know that that's gone place you're hearing that for the first time in the show i love mm. that and i always love that about imagination you know they could always like you know they, they would fit into any kind of sort of you know mix list whatever you know and it, 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 that would be great you know any sort of playlist mixtape whatever you made up um obviously they weren't exactly changelings you know they, they, they were samelings really i suppose yes. but uh, you know it's fair to say that um they yeah, I um think this song really should have been called the same Instead exactly. Of yes, because yes, that is, is very much it was, and I mean, you know, and I guess 
you know, it's hard really. They they just pounded it for as 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 much as they can get. And this is probably just about the last bit of juice that they managed to kind of mangle out of it. But, mm. um, yeah. I mean, in the previous issue of Smash Hits, uh, in the in the singles review page, uh, Tim DeLeal wrote, I don't know what to make of Imagination. Are they, as Filoki said, the best soul band in the world? Or are they the multiracial society's follow-up to Gary Glitter? Ooh. Either Ooh. way, they've discovered the art of making disco music sound equally good on the radio. This has the usual Swain Jolly tricks, a passable melody, and surefire hit potential. It does have those things. I mean, Smash Hits were very keen on finding a black Gary Glitter. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what Neil Tennant, I believe, said about Prince. Mm. The black Gary Glitter. Yeah. <laughs> and a few other things as well, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's more pertinent with imagination, if at all, you know, yeah. Certainly close to that than best soul band in the world. Yeah, yeah. This the thing is though. This is. I mean, I enjoyed this, but this is no body mm. talk, and it, it it it's no. It's no just an illusion. I'd say there's a couple mm. of problems mm. here for me anyway. I, I sense a slight Michael Jackson influence um, in yes. the speed of the groove. I for me personally, imagination suit a slow, sexy groove. Um, mm. rather than this. Something libidinous and grinding because Lee John's voice, his voice is a soft falsetto thing with no kind of edge to it in a sense. Um, he's best off, not to get too rude, but he's best off, yeah, sliding his voice in between the Calypicus undulations of a slow <laughs> groove. Let me put it that way. What, what's <laughs> needed here is a voice that cuts through a little bit more, um, cuts through the groove a little, and, and his voice can't... Can't really do that. And I, I, I think that there's a heavy MJ influence here. And mm. I know their outfits are good, but with imagination, kind of, and this has nothing to do with sex in a sense, I just want them wearing less clothes. <laughs> I mm. want them, mm. I have a picture of them in, in their pants. Um, <laughs> and I kind of, yeah, I, should, I think. Where? They, but just over your bed? No, anywhere they they go. I, I just I had this picture of them just living in their pants to a certain extent. Um, yes. I like the dance moves here. There's some great, just just yeah, filthy stuff that Cameo would get mm. it in the neck for a few years later. I think yes. Um, mm. And hats off to John for the spinning thing that he does. Um, made mm. me feel dizzy as I was watching it. I I, I felt watching him spin as I would have um, in a playground on a witch's hat. Or on a roundabout. Because um, he's not even doing the ballerina thing of, of, of looking at a fixed point and then spinning no. his head at the last moment. It, it's it's very impressive. But yeah, mm. it, it they feel like a band, I'm possibly wrong, but they feel like a band on the wane a little bit yes. from their heights. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, this is, yeah, your, this is your bog standard fourth single from an album mm. track, isn't it? Mm. It mm. makes you wonder why they bothered putting it out. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps go Particularly away. Particularly at this time of the year. Yeah, I suppose they had to keep their hand in, really. It's, um, I mean, it was probably all, all they had, really, in their quiver. But um, I, like, I like the kind of pansexuality of imagination. I like the fact yeah, that it's queer, yeah. it's straight. You know, it's, it's, it's just across the board, really. Mm. You know, I, do, I, I, I always enjoy that, really. I mean, the downside to this performance for me is that they haven't got their instruments out. Yes, yeah. And that's wrong, because imagination mm. are an actual band. And yes, actually, yeah, without his that. bass, it loses something. I mean, they're essentially capering about 
Mm. They're wearing kind of like green, red and white leggings, which makes them look like a sexy Italian flag. Mm. Does demean them slightly, yeah. The perfect imagination performance is them with their instruments and then just going, oh, fucking instruments. Yeah. We don't need them. We, we've mm. got sex. <laughs> and then they just put them down and start grinding yeah, yeah. and... Capering. The wonderful thing about imagination is that they provide actually the complete opposite to dadisfaction. That that they yes. provide dad dad enraged, yeah, dadis outrage, mm. uh, and also dadis oh, yeah. slight <laughs> confusion uh, as well. Yes. Like, yeah. That's what's really great about them. Those those performances of body talk and stuff are just etched in my memory as these things where you were mm. almost watching it in a room with your parents. God, it was yes. faintly, you know uncomfortable it was as, as uncomfortable mm. as a sex scene in dynasty it was uncomfortable yeah. viewing uh, being in the same room i mean it's a mercy in a way that my late granddad had um you know died by this point because i think if he'd seen this it had been 14 days <laughs> with um, added potato peeling i think yeah a shame that they're on the wane mm. a shame that mm. this song's been highlighted on chart music because it's only the second time we've come across them and this is them at the arse end of Mm. Of their career, really. But even arse end imagination, are, um, it's still serviceable. Mm. But who's like imagination in the mid-80s and the late 80s? Not mm. really... N- nobody no. British, certainly. I mean, the masterpiece, I suppose, of that kind of, like, you know, that, that sort of pace, of like slinky pace that Neil was talking about, I guess, is Mtume and Juicy Fruit, um, which is kind of around this time. I think perhaps it's about uh, a year later. And I yeah, suppose yeah. that's the actual gold standard. We could do with bands like that. I mean, I'm saying, oh, there's no music. That, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to start saying, oh, you know, back when music was good. But more bands like Imagination through the 80s and 90s would have been a fantastic thing. Yeah. yeah. Nice to see a message on the rigging from uh, the, the camera crew, though. There's, um, mm. there's a big tinselly Merry Christmas from Crew 7 <laughs> on the rigging. <laughs> As we'll see throughout this episode, the backroom boys are having a bit of fun this week. So, two weeks later, Changes finally slumped over the line of the top 40. When it nipped up four places to number 39, and a week later it got to number 31. On its highest position. The follow-up, Looking at Midnight, got to number 29 in June of 1983, and out of the nine remaining singles they put out across the 80s, only Thank You, My Love made the business end of the charts when it got to number 22 in January of 1985. Well, the record industry tends to regard the end-of-the-year chart as the most prestigious. So let's see who's made it then as we go through our Christmas hit sound countdown. And at number 30, it's Eddie Grant, and I Don't Want to Dance. A new entry at number 29 from Kid Creole and the Coconuts and Dear Addie. At 28, it's Incantation, another new entry. At 27, Where the Heart Is from Soft Cell. At 26, a new entry from ABBA with Under Attack. At 25, The Other Side of Love from Yazoo. A Flock of Seagulls are at number 24 with Wishing. At 23, I Feel Love from Donna Summer. At 22, Living on the Ceiling, Blamange. Duran Duran are at number 21 with Rio. Let's go back to number 26 right now and see ABBA and a film they recorded in Sweden performing Under Attack.
reminds us that this is the week that the music industry starts cupping itself with unrestrained glee at all that money being chucked over the counter of record shops across the land as he breaks down the first third of this week's top 30. He then tells us to prepare for a bit of video all the way from a TV studio in Sweden as he introduces Under Attack by ABBA. We've done ABBA loads on chart music and this, the 28th single release, is the follow-up to The Day Before You Came, which got to number 32 in October. It was recorded in August of this year as part of a proposed follow-up LP to The Visitors, but when the project was shelved, the group decided to put out a double compilation LP called The Singles, The First Ten Years, and this is the final track on it. They've been in the country recently to promote the LP and the single, appearing on Saturday Superstore and the Late Late Breakfast Show, which got the LP to number one at the end of last month. But the single only entered the chart at number 46. It jumped 15 places to number 31 last week, and this week it's up a mere five places to number 26. But fuck it, because they're still ABBA. (laughs) So here's another chance to see their live link performance from a TV studio in Stockholm for the Late Late Breakfast for show 12 days ago. Before we get into ABBA and this song, the chart picks, again, as always in, in this era, reassuringly, disappointingly adequate. They are. I mean, Top of the Pops has got very professional, hasn't it? Um, yes. Under the hurler. The only thing that leaps out really from that rundown is Dave Ball somehow managing to look even seedier than Mark Ormond mm. in in the yes. shot of Soft Cell, but beyond that, <laughs> competency all the way. Yeah, Mark Ormond there, firmly in his headband phase. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and it, what Rambo could have been. <laughs> Tall chap from Blamange looks like a young Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> yes. The only thing that jumped out at me was that picture of Eddie Grant that they always use where he looks solemn yet resigned. <laughs> as if he's just been informed that another of his songs has developed musical herpes. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a nice image of a stumpy Christmas tree on either side, just in case mm. you forgot it was Christmas. Yeah, but the hastiness of the shots has gone. The kind of random strangeness that we used to encounter is long gone. A love. Yeah. Just yeah. thoroughly competent. Music, yeah. music biz shots. So, ABBA then, the, the LP, the first 10 years, kind of suggests that they're drawing a line under the 70s and, and preparing to kick on. But from the round of interviews they've just done to promote it and the uh, shocking chart performance of the day before you came, the next 10 years, are, 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 they're being called into question, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, those figures are just mad, aren't they? Just thinking of an ABBA single that only gets to 26 or, or 31 yeah. is just is just crazy. I think... It's not right, it is it? It don't feel right. And, and, you know, I don't think anyone i mean i certainly wasn't aware as a 10 year old that abba one this was their swan song pretty much and they were on their way mm. out um it's going but it's odd i mean you know what are abba gonna do in the 80s if they would have stuck around yeah i mean there's an indication on this song how mm. 80s abba would have panned out they've started to get a little bit synth there mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's interesting because actually 
I mean, I wasn't even aware of this track. It completely passed no. me by at the time, and I was, you know, a close scrutinizer of the charts, as you know, mm. as I said. <laughs> but this, but you know, actually, listeners, now it actually sounds very, very promising. Actually, mm. you know, that kind yeah. of warm arpeggiated approach. But then, I don't know, just especially when it gets to the chorus, it's yep. just such a letdown. It's so yep, yep, yep. sort of blandly resolved, you know, and schlagerish almost. It's like <laughs> Aber at their kind of, Aber at their leastest. And um, in terms of like coming to terms with the 80s, I mean, at least like Frieda's made a bit of an effort with her hair, you know, it's fading mm. futurist or whatever. But the two chaps, I mean, those are the beards of complacency, aren't they? You know, they just think they're in this kind of perma-70s, and it's just like, for fuck's sake, shake. Well, quite. I mean, it's 82, and I think David's absolutely right. The verses are ace on mm, this song, mm. you know, kind of Nordic, droney, techno-pop. It, it, it kind of like a premonescence of, of Erase Rewind by the Cardigans or Robin's Every Heartbeat. I mean, I, I'm kind yeah. of annoyed that they felt they had to put, and I do think they felt they had to put an Abba-type chorus in it. Because mm. well, they're Abba. I know, I know, but it, God, a whole song of just the verses would have done me. In the mm, verses, right. they've allowed the sounds that they're using, the synth sounds, as you say, Al, to actually sort of direct the writing in a sense. But the chorus is just a typical Abba chorus. Um, which mm. doesn't really work. So, yeah, it's a shame. Abba are made for the glacial and the gliding. And in the yes. 70s, they pretty much perfect it. In the 80s, that sound might have got horrific. I'm kind of glad they called it a day when they did. I mean, we do get a bit of Robo Benny in it, don't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, little vocoder touches. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to be, you know, like, Pop expert David Stubbs, you know, who despises Abba and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Abba skeptic David <laughs> yeah. Stubbs. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I think they're perhaps slightly overpraised, but that's as far as I go. I do actually, I do actually admire them. I was very disdainful of them when I was, um, you know, in the late seventies when I was in, uh, in the fifth form at school, and um, I wrote a kind of lambasting essay about all of the kind of you know the superficiality mm. of pop culture. And I singled yeah. out Abba. The toothpaste society. The toothpaste society. <laughs> yes, a symbol of the toothpaste society. What's I mean, wrong with brushing your teeth? Well, that's very much how I feel like those. I'm actually very glad indeed that we're in the toothpaste society. Um, I don't know really what I was thinking at the time, actually. But no, that, that's what they symbolise. Palmer's a warning from history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that it, it, it's interesting. I think ABBA very much belong to the late 70s. And I think they're, you know, they're not needed in the 80s. Um, they're extraneous yes. and it's funny yes. how people just suddenly judge to a halt really I mean I always think that Bowen didn't re- shocking you know I mean like, you can give him Let's Dance or whatever but essentially he was of the 70s and Prince was of the 80s and you know it's almost mm. like abruptly about 1990 I mean he's you know he's, he becomes a sort of fraction of what he was before people seem to want 70s ABBA because here's another greatest another of the many greatest it's mm. compilations by ABBA that, that, that people are buying they're not really keen on new ABBA. Maybe the fault isn't with ABBA, it's that the fault is with us. Yeah, perhaps so. I mean, fatigue is just inevitably going to set in. Mm. Um, but actually, the verses do hint at something, a p- possible future for them that never ends up getting, you know, yeah, followed I, up. But I mean, yeah. the weird thing is, yeah, it's kind of their latest sort of TV appearance in a sense um, in their entire career. But the actual dynamics of the bit of footage that we get from from the Late Late Show is is strangely dated. Mm. It, it's got this 
why have the audience got their back to them? I mean, well, I, so, I believe it's your standard European TV show thing where they're all sat at tables. Very much so. so. They've got a, very they've got a chicken so. in a basket. Or, or, no, sorry, herring in a basket <laughs> vibe about it. Always struck me as odd. It reminds me, in a sense, of that Led that Danish TV appearance, late 60s, where they're playing this amazing shit, yes. but the kids have like got their backs to them, which is it's a strange way of doing it. Yeah, and, the, and that astounding performance of Charlie Brown by Two Man Sam, <laughs> where uh, old Luda Prick's fucking working his tits off doing his best Mick Jagger impression in a sailor suit. And people are just sitting there as if they're, they're, they're watching a frog being dissected. It's, <laughs> oh, man. And the audience, you know, the, the pop for Unger of Stockholm, mm. if you will, they're very subdued. But then again, you know, this is Sweden. They, they probably see members of ABBA nipping out to the shops with some crisp bread. So yeah. Fucking, yeah, you know, true, all fucking, true, true. And I think you could do with some of that underexcitement, though, in, you know, as a kind of mitigation in this particular, you know, top of the pops era, couldn't you? Yes. You know? Definitely. Do miss that Quiet that, contemplation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it is a very strange performance because it's, it's you know, they're still fucking ABBA mm-hmm. and they're on their home turf. But, um, I mean, they've Christmased up the studio a bit, but they've not laid out too much kroner on the trimmings, have they? Swedish TV is <laughs> looking very uh, minge mm. compared well, to, uh, yeah. to uh, yeah. top of the pops layout. Definitely. I mean, there's no awareness, really, that this is going to be the one of the last times that we see this band. No. And, and if there was, perhaps it would have been a bit more lavish. Just to echo what David said, though. Yes, Anietta, as Taylor has always corrected me, and um, Frida look vaguely contemporary but ben and bjorn yeah they're yeah. airlifted out of 1976 you know and yet mm. she looks very um oh what's the i don't know how to say this word Hege. she looks she looks right <laughs> is that how you say it i think so yeah or is it H- huga or whatever i think it's higa but she looks yeah. massive i'm gonna say Hege. fuck it brexit i can <laughs> say what i want now <laughs> try and stop me belgium <laughs> So she looks, she looks very higgy, yeah. higgy pop, if you will, <laughs> in a nice jumper. But I mean, just to just to echo Neil, um, yeah, I mean, or, or well, actually yourself, in fact, you know, yeah, they are fucking Abbott, and in a sense, that's the problem. They are, in a sense, genuinely a bit too grand to have to kind of like adapt and uh, you know to like you know, new trends or whatever. I think that you know, Abbott should ultimately be themselves, and their selves really are what they. You know, or of the late seventies, really. Yeah. Also, this thing about glacial and gliding that um, Neil mentioned, and that's true. And I think, in a sense, there was a sort of synth pop quality to them before they really sort of took on board synths or whatever. But that's then kind of ubiquitous in in the eighties, you know, which are obviously much more kind of synth based, and and so they do feel kind of a bit superfluous, really. I guess ABBA at this point. Mm. Plus all of those, you know, all of those kind of bands that adopted synthesizer use and that kind of glacial gliding thing, like mentioned, they're not going to admit to liking ABBA, you know, mm. in, in a weird way. Mm. They're com- ABBA are completely bypassed by the current wave of electropop that's just happened in 81, 1980, etc. They're, they're, yeah. they're just considered cheese. Mm, the Human League drew a, a bit of influence I, off Yeah, them, the Human League, I, so, I think solely the Human League. I can't think of anyone else who's no. kind of boosting ABBA in any way. Um, mm. I think actually Paul Morley may have written about um, Simple Minds at this point, that they weren't so much post-punk as post-ABBA. Right. And I think he sort of recognised <laughs> elements of ABBA, you know, in those sort of, you know, in, in their kind of keyboard sound. That's very chiming, sort of glacial, again, keyboard sound that they've got. 
got. So I think they kind of feed into like, you know, that new gold dream era, simple minds, I would say. We're saying that there appears to be no need for Arbor, but they're, they're, they're in between a rock and a hard place at the minute, aren't they? Because they've got box fizz to the left of them, human <laughs> league to the right of them. Yeah. It's almost as if people are saying, well, who needs Arbor now that tight fit have done Fantasy Island? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so many bands copying bits of Arbor's shtick. Well, meanwhile, the real Arbor are just fucking had enough of being Arbor. Yeah, it's incredibly difficult keeping a pop idea going beyond 10 years, mm. you know, yeah. and, and it's, yeah. it's fatiguing for the band. It's fatiguing for the audience. You know, with bands that do stick together for fucking ages like the Stones, you just get the sense they've got nowhere else to go. Mm. Whereas with ABBA, mm. I never got that sense, really. And certainly as their relationship started splintering, they certainly had somewhere else to go. Mm. So by this time, we're fatigued with them. In a, We're not tired necessarily of the records. The hits are great. No. But... We don't need no more of them. And and I don't think ABBA need to do this anymore either. Mm. So there is that sense of just drifting yeah. away. But Jackie Liebertzai out yeah. of Cannes said that um, the um, lifespan of a band should be the same as that of a dog. And I think that, you know, as it were, the Fido of ABBA, it was probably time for them to sort of turn up their paws at this point. Yeah. So what would have happened if ABBA had stayed together throughout the 80s? Um, I don't know. It's odd with ABBA, although I like them. I'm kind of not actually that interested in, in a sense, with how they would have gone through the years. Because, you know, we all play these parlour games in our minds, you know, what would people have done. Mm. But with ABBA, I, I, I think, you know, chess gives us a fair indication that maybe yes. the songwriting wouldn't necessarily have suffered. But when I think about ABBA in that big, gated 80s sound world that's just round the corner... Mm. It's not exactly a pleasant combination. So I'm kind of happy with everything they've given me up to this point, And I'm not that sad that they're going to bid it farewell. When I think about them in that sound world um, of the mid 80s, um, it's not a pleasant place. No. I'm sure also that if they would have pushed on, the circle of the four of them may well have ended up being breached by kind of, I don't know, new friends in a sense. Uh, Abba wouldn't have got on with each other throughout the 80s. And I I sense (laughs) that, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, as indicated by the chess thing, they'd have made their moves in. Um, I'm not saying they would have become members of the band, but um, no, that would have been atrocious. (laughs) But I just sense that the the kind of cohesion of the 70s stuff would have started getting farmed out a little bit. Mm. They wouldn't have, like, I don't know, suddenly thrown their lot in with Start Aitken and Waterman. They they would have continued, I suspect, sounding increasingly dated um, as time Mm. goes on. Because by the late 80s, just the dynamics of pop have changed, the sounds of pop have changed, and the pace of ABBA songs was no longer about. So I just think they would have looked increasingly dated as the 80s gone on. Mm. Thing is with ABBA, always dignified, never desperately trying to look contemporary. Yeah. So, yeah, by the late 80s, I just think they would have gone beyond. I mean, the thing is with ABBA, of course, endlessly parodied. I think it would have just, mm. yeah, they would have become something of a laughing yeah. stock if they'd have just ploughed their own furrow, in a sense, for the rest of the 80s. Yeah. Uh, but that's the only choice that ABBA have. If the, as soon as they would start taking on elements of the mid-80s, sound-wise or anything else, they would have really started looking laughable. Mm. The, I think they would have gone at it with a plumb in terms of adapting new synths sounds into it. But yeah, by 1985, things would have got hella ugly with this sound. So I'm, kind of, I'm glad, glad they called it a day. Yeah, mm. and they'd have lost their essential attitude, wouldn't they? You know, it would have... Um, yes. And the thing is, yeah, 
they were they were always going to break up. And I think it's it's one thing if you're solo, if you're Silla Black or Cliff Richard, you can kind of labour on pointlessly for years and years and decades and decades. But with ABBA, it's a group, and I think to sort of sustain, you know, the sort of the, you know the, the relationship and four people, you know, to maintain the same level of enthusiasm and enthusiasm for each other. I mean, it's, it's just never going to happen. So two weeks later, Under Attack stayed at number twenty six. Stayed at number 26 for another week and then slid down the charts. Unbeknownst to the pop crazed youngsters, we had just seen the last ever performance of ABBA as a working group as Agneta and Frida went off to pursue their own solo careers and Benny and Bjorn forged ahead with the musical Chess, only coming together again in 1986 to record a video of them performing the first song written by their then manager Stig Anderson for a Swedish TV special celebrating his 55th birthday. However, they had one last single in the tank, Thank You for the Music, which got to number 33 in November of 1983. Wow. Only number yeah. 33. 33, that's nuts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because that's that a very dignified, yeah. valedictory sort of thing. And, and I mean, you know, apart, like you said, apart from that 86 thing, I mean, the great thing about ABBA is that they split and they've stayed split, and I really admire them for that. Yes, Although, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I remember being promised a new ABBA song about two Christmases ago. Where the fuck is that? That still hasn't turned up. Like a boy denied his chopper. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> youngsters we're going to leave it there we're going to finish this off tomorrow so if you can stand it i'll see you here tomorrow for the final part of chart music number 55 my name's al needham on behalf of neil Kulkani and david stubbs i advise you most strongly to stay pop crazed <laughs> chart music Hello, my name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through it in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plot like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast app than that. Friends with friends and we're on Twitter at friends WF.